Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Today, we have in studio session guitar player legend Mike Payne. He's taken some time out of his day to come talk to us about how he's made it to where he is. This guy has played on so many hit records that it would take me forever just to go through his credits, so I'll let you research that for yourself. Just Google Mike Payne on all music, and you'll see all the stuff he's played on. So he's going to share with us his story about how exactly he did that. This is going to be some really actionable stuff. A lot of you guys are listening out there and maybe want to become a session musician or are wondering how session musicians make their living. This is the show for you to listen to. Mike Payne is a great guitar player. He's not just good, he's great. He shows up prepared, brings great quality gear, always plays great parts that are always in tune, in time, and have great tone. And those are the three key elements of being a session musician. So you're going to learn a ton from this show today. But before we jump into the interview, I wanted to make sure you were aware June 13th through 15th Immerse Music Conference is going on. Go to experienceimmerse.com, get tickets. It's close to being sold out. I'm going to be there. My whole team is going to be there presenting. We're going to be featured presenters alongside Lauren Daigle and Stephen Curtis Chapman. So don't miss that. If you want to know how to get into the music biz, regardless of what genre you're in, this is an event to be at. So make sure you go there. Check out experienceimmerse.com. I'd love to personally meet you there. So we'd love to see you there. And let's jump into the interview. Here in the studio today with Mike Payne, session guitar player extraordinaire. Thank you for being here. Good morning. It's, uh, it's great to be here, man. Well, we were talking earlier about your accomplished career. Mike is so humble that he didn't even truly kind of tell me what was going on, but he's going into sessions where he is playing on kind of greatest hits records, and he's like, oh, I think I remember playing on this song five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's he's going literally full circle, no pun intended, and replaying his stuff for these greatest hits records on songs that are being played all over the world. And Mike, it's such an honor that you would take some time to come and uh, speak to our audience today. Absolutely, man. Good to be here and uh, excited to hang out. So let's jump into your story. Um, when did when did you first get into music? How did it, the whole thing happen? I sort of got into the music thing um, initially. I think both sides of my my family were influences for sure. My grandmother played piano and played guitar as well and she had a, just a deep knowledge of hymns played a lot in the church my uncle played in bands played in rock bands he started a band in the late 70s in the chicagoland area and that's when like bands like cheap trick and a lot of the chicago ario speedwagon a lot of these bands were kind of getting their uh, getting their start so he was part of that scene and i would go watch him play yeah at the shows that i could go to when i was you know whatever awesome six years old um so i just remember focusing on the guitar player and thinking that's a cool job i i think that's yeah that might be something yeah <laughs> even back then i mean i had no clue um and you would how old would you, would you have been i mean i was maybe five or six years old yeah ish, you know so that that was really the 
the initial yeah. sort of spark of it all. So. Yeah. So family, grew up, grew up doing it in family. Um, you're you're here in Nashville now, but I'm sure you didn't end up here overnight. So did you tour in bands? What was your what was your kind of journey? Did you always want to be a session musician, or did you have something different in mind? I think when I initially came to Nashville. I probably wasn't really thinking about sessions, honestly, at the time. I was thinking more about just how cool it would be to travel and maybe be in a band, yeah, do a tour, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I wasn't even really... The session thing wasn't on the radar Sure. Um, uh, at that point. Yeah. So did you... I mean, did you spend a bunch of years on the road? Or what was your kind of you know transition into that? I did. I, I spent um, probably the first maybe six, seven years or so, really just kind of traveling, working on a few album projects here and there. Yeah. A friend of mine had a, you know, we had a studio in our, in our house. It's like the sort of the beginnings of Pro Tools HD. And, yeah. And um, so we had a pretty nice setup uh, at our place where we could track. So I got a few experiences sort of via that, but by and large, it was mostly... Um, touring with different uh ccm artists mainly honestly during the the, those days um everybody from natalie grant to matthew west and um yeah did some stuff with brandon heath for a while and yeah that's awesome so looking back i guess from your first time that you stepped on stage today i mean you're you're one of the most sought after session guitar players in nashville so if you're talking to a young up-and-coming musician who says, hey, I want to move to Nashville or L.A. or New York and become the next Mike Payne or the next session guy or whoever, what's the biggest piece of advice? Because looking back, there's a, there's a ton of things that I've done wrong with my career, and I wish I would have told myself when I was younger. Is there anything kind of like that if that you would say to a young session guy? What What's the most important things that they need to know? Okay. Um, oh, wow. I mean, yeah, absolutely. There's sort of... It's interesting, isn't it, when you start to think about yeah. what you yourself today would would say to yourself ten years yeah. ago or something. I think that I would have probably broadened my listening out a bit more, you know, to, if I'm talking to my other self, you know, yeah, like, yeah, maybe just broaden out the listening, listen to more more music, different kinds of music. Yeah, and I and I feel like I did that actually. My 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 brother is such a music nut and yeah. he would bring things into the house that i would have probably never found yeah. on my own so i think a lot of that just kind of happened naturally for me personally um but i would i would definitely give that advice to you can't ever you listen enough and sort yeah. of that amalgamation with different influences comes out in your writing or your part playing or maybe the sounds that you're going for yeah no, that's awesome, man. What's what's a typical week look like for you? Because I mean, you're playing on all kinds of stuff. It really varies, to be honest with you. It, I could be working on Monday. It could be a you know a CCM you know session date, and we're doing new you know Jeremy Camp tunes or something like that. And then the next day, I could be doing one of these projects where I'm re- actually re-recording parts that I've already played on other tracks. Yeah. Um, or um, here in Nashville, there's a good bit of work that happens in the developmental stage too. Sure. So there's a lot of folks that come in from out of town that are wanting to get their start in the business that are maybe putting together an EP or yeah. something like that. 
Um, I do a good bit of that work as well. Yeah. So it really keeps me on my toes. Yeah. And uh, and then, of course, even across the different genres, too, it could be a country date, maybe. Sure. The The following day could be a full-on, you know, sort of modern country thing, which is which is a little, which is different. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's kind of, it kind of makes it exciting really. Yeah. Keep it fresh. Keep it, keeps it fresh. Yeah. So I don't even know if you remember this or not, but my first, I think it was my first ever trip to Nashville was, uh, with a producer named Ian Eskelin. I sent him a demo, I think when I was maybe 16 or 17 and he wrote back the next week and was like, hey, come down and, you know, let's write some songs. And I didn't even know what co-writing was. I didn't know what studio musicians did. I didn't know how the thing worked. And before I knew it, we were like over at this this awesome studio the next day. And there's these session guys here. And, and, and Mike Payne was sitting there. Mm. So you were kind of my first view into, okay, this is how it's done in Nashville. And I need to step my game way up. <laughs> Because I was just amazed that you had never heard these these songs. We were cut two mm-hmm. songs. Yeah. You'd never heard these things before. Walked in, and I walked out pretty much by the end of that day with something that sounded like it was ready to go on the radio. Mm. So can you talk about how how did you get so fast? How, you know, because that was just amazing to me. The answer to that is I really don't know. <laughs> but... but, <laughs> but um, I think over I think just over time you you kind of develop maybe instincts and you know this from from being you know the songwriter that you are you begin to figure out what paths are going to be dead ends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like you start to steer yourself in ways that you that feel right that you sort of your instincts help lead the way. Sure. I think that's a huge part of what we do. That's probably one of the key one of the things that helps with the speed factor. Yeah, yeah. No, um, that's that's awesome. Yeah, but I remember that. I think I remember that session actually. Weren't we over at Dark Horse, maybe? Or we? I, th- I know. I know part of it. We were at Dark Horse. Okay. Uh, one of the things we were at uh, Ben Phillips's house. Oh yeah. Studio, which was awesome. Yeah. Place over there. Yeah, absolutely. That was great. Yeah. I tell you what, that house. I sort of cut my teeth. Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that place. Yeah. Just doing demos for you know, a lot of companies. And really that kind of leads me into the demo thing. Um, for, I mean, fortunately, yeah, I kind of came up and this still happens, but not the exact same way it used to, but I got a lot of experience doing demos with songwriters that yeah. were great, great writers. And, um, I did a ton of those demos. Sure. And that really helped me kind of form a style and, and help me, along the path really yeah. of, of just becoming a better a better at the craft. Yeah. Well, so. that's that's a great actionable tip for people listening out there. If you're a guitar player or a, a, a session musician, go find a songwriter and say, hey, can I help play on your demos? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. awesome. That's great advice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So talk about when you go into a session, because you, I mean, even, even back then doing these demo things, you were walking in, with with your your full gear and and how important is it for you to have the same rig every single place that you go or um, is it not at all well it's similar right now i've got kind of two i've got sort of an a rig and a b rig and the b rig 
is definitely it, it gets me in in the spirit of of what I, where I need to be without hauling the huge sure you know huge amounts of gear around. I try to just honestly have a great amp, have a great starting uh, starting point, and a great guitar, and then maybe a few things to color in between. The most important thing is just to feel comfortable with whatever it is that you're bringing along with you. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't always have the full cartridge set up with, you know, all the 12 strings and baritones and all the extra right. stuff, the high strung guitars and stuff, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, I'm really comfortable with my smaller rig and yeah. it just, I've played on a ton of singles with that rig and, and it's just a, it's a good, it's a good thing as well. So. Yeah. Let's get into the gear a little bit because that's something we don't talk a lot about on this show, but I'm sure some people out there are wondering. I'd love to just kind of go through some different things, and you just tell me your go-to. Okay. What's what's if you're comfortable sharing this? I, I can't tell you. I can't talk about <laughs> this right now. I'm kidding. <laughs> Distortion or overdrive pedal? I've kind of been a fan. I go in and out with this pedal, but the box of rock has been on my board for a long time. I just feel like the clean that that clean boost side is great, and um. And then the other side is really cool too, um, yeah. for stacking um, like crunchy stuff and yeah, that kind of those kind of parts. It kind of it sits in a track well, which yeah. is great. Uh, delay pedal. Well, lately, sort of the the model of choice has been uh, the Strymon, the Strymon stuff. Right now, it's a Timeline, and it's a cool pedal. It's it's worked really well for me. I know yeah. some guys are they've kind of switched and gone different directions, um, but Seems to do a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, amp head. Golly, that's a hard one. <laughs> if you only have yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, maybe my basement, my mid sixties, you know, basement. I, it just has a thing. It, yeah. The, the, the voice, the, it's just voiced really well. I, I think for my hands too, maybe it just seems to, it seems to work really well, which is why I, usually I plug into the third power here. Cause it kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Yeah. It's a Fender amp. '60s Fender basement. Yeah, just kind of anything Fender. I, I I love the Vox thing. I do. I have an old. I have a '63, you know, JMI that's that's totally been like, it's just been awesome. Yeah. I think it's just like a workhorse. Yeah. Amp. You gotta get. You gotta. At least for me, like the Fender yeah. thing is. Yeah. How about cool. uh, reverb? Oh yeah, reverb. That's right. We we use a good bit of reverb these days. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like a lot of different kinds of reverb. I I've got um, I have one of these. Uh, what is it called? The wet pedal. It's the it's the basically the new new neighbor or new neighbor. Um, yeah. Pedal that that does a good job and it it can kind of do a lot. You know, it can kind of get that sort of springy thing if you use your imagination. Yeah. <laughs> but it can also <laughs> it can also uh, Get the ambient thing going, and also use the 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 Strymon stuff is great too. Um, the, yeah, the eighties you know verb that they do is is killer, and yeah, and um and the seventies I think it's Lexicon model maybe does a good job as well. So it, it just it kind of all depends. I mean, sometimes I'm even cranking up verb on the amp. Yeah, I've got a couple of spring verbs that sound obviously they're real spring, right? They sound killer. Yeah, know? so it just. And last last one, if you had only one guitar to bring into a session, what would it be? One guitar? One guitar. Man, I used to say a 335, and I still think that that's way up there. Um, it might still be the 335, actually, for some reason. 
Yeah. That hollow body thing, you can kind of get it to um you can get you can get a lot out of it. Yeah. It's a probably a tie between these are wildly different sounding guitars, yeah. but that and maybe a Telecaster. Okay. Cuz the Telecaster can rock. Yeah. That's the thing like it um it can really be a versatile versatile piece, you know. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, those are some some good little actionable things people can go check out. I think that's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. let's jump back to kind of philosophy a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, how long have you been how long has it been since you moved to Nashville? I've been here 15 Well, this would be my 16th year. Okay. So, what is it? Are you still uh do you feel like you're still uh as excited to go in the studio now as you were when you moved here? Absolutely. Yeah. I think I'm probably more excited now than ever. I feel like there's that initial spark of, man, I'm in the studio and I get to do this. And that's special for sure. But at some point that kind of wears off and what you're left with is, man, I really just love to do this. Yeah. And and I think that's kind of, that's where I'm at currently. That's awesome. So I'm sure, well, we talk a lot about how the music industry is changing and where it's at and I'm interested from your perspective, 15 or 16 years, I mean, the music industry is not the same today as it was last week, let alone 15 years ago. Yeah. So what are some of the changes that you've seen being here and being at ground zero, you know, making music? Well, I mentioned earlier, like with regard to just even the way that we do demos now is a little different. We used to do a lot of full band uh, demo tracking and things like that, and I still do a good bit of of demos, but we now when when we work on a demo, and this is you know you know this like it's really we're working on our ma- our master yeah. is what it ends up being yeah. because the really the demo thing uh, it has to sound it has to really sound like a master in order to for it to be sold in a, in a way that's really convincing to to the artist to get excited about it and yeah so that I think that has changed. Yeah. I think in you know ten years ago or something, I was like, yeah, yeah, great. We got kind of the the working of the song, and but but now we're really getting into the sort of the more details, yeah, of it all, and yeah. uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, it always feels like you're working towards something that's like this could be on the radio, right? Which is a pretty cool thing. You know, obviously, ten fifteen years ago, there was the transition was just starting to happen from sort of the uh, physical product into more of the digital realm. So we've been watching that happen as well through the sure. whole uh, process. And I think that's impacted, I think it's impacted probably every part of the of the business. Yeah. I don't know how it has directly necessarily impacted what I do because I'm just in sort of the creating process sure. of, of and, and there's always songs that have to be, you know, fleshed out. So, but yeah, that's a whole nother conversation yeah. really, yeah. but... That you hit on something really huge that I, I, I don't want to just gloss over that especially if you're a new musician, I mean, this honestly goes for everybody, even if we've been in it for forever, but don't ever treat something like it's a demo. Treat everything you do like it's a master and like it's going to be a platinum selling record. Totally. All the time. Absolutely. Same thing can be said if you're an artist and you're playing on stage to five people, play like you're playing to 50,000, you know? Yep. I just think there's such a good parallel there, and it's just giving your best all the time because 
I mean, I know I've seen your A rig and I've seen your B rig. Your B rig really isn't a B rig. It's yeah. just another rig. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> so Mike doesn't yeah. show up to a demo session with a, oh, this is the demo rig. You get the uh, Squire guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> and, uh, funny. or maybe you do. I don't know. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's for unless it's for the better of the song, you know? yeah, exactly. And then I'll pull out the square. Yeah. So I thought, man, that's that's just gold right there, man. Yeah. Just play like you're playing on the biggest stage. Play like it's always a master. Yeah. And I just kind of wonder why that why that was because it's even when I first started coming here, which was, I guess, been close to probably what ten years ago now. Yeah. Um, when we first worked together in that mm-hmm. little house, mm-hmm. I've seen the same thing too with even in, you know, you feel it. It's like, I know what I'm up against as a producer. Cause it's a, it's, you feel the the competition a little bit, you know, I, I, I like to obviously say that it's a, uh, or I like to always say that it's collaboration and not competition. We're all heading in the same direction. Yeah. But when you hear some of the other things that are getting turned in, you're like, oh man, I got to step up my game a little bit. So I feel like I can completely relate to that in the past 10 years since I've been here. I mean, those first couple of things we did were great. Yeah. But, you know, it kind of was what it was like. We'd sort of like left it. He edited it. He mixed it. But now you'd go in and you'd program. You'd do all the other. You'd bring in the singers and, you know, do the full deal. So you really have to treat treat it 100% of the time like you're playing on something that's going to end up on the radio. Yeah. Because chances are it might. <laughs> <laughs> to- absolutely yeah and it's it's kind of like you're always it's exciting because it, it's kind of makes you reach a little deeper yeah. you know, into things or uh yeah it's great it's cool so yeah. that's one i think one really positive takeaway yeah um that is a, a bit of a change from what maybe things were like talk about the importance of having a uh, a home setup now oh man it's huge it's huge you know i i've learned so much of uh you know the engineering aspect of of working at at the house is huge, and for you know I've been fortunate to work with some really world class uh, engineers over the years, and I've just tried to glean from them <laughs> every little ounce of engineering uh, mojo, yeah, that I can, yeah, and um, and it's really uh, it's fun. I enjoy that that aspect of it. Um, I also enjoy the the getting a chance to kind of again dive a little deeper into your tonal possibilities and what's working for a track what's not you get a little bit more flexibility uh time wise that way mm-hmm. and um because you're not holding anybody else up we've got to be pretty efficient on session days when there's a full group yeah you know when you're when I'm at my place it's not like I'm taking all day or anything but I get that extra maybe a few minutes just to make a couple of extra little switches you know to the yeah. to the sound and so that's been a lot of fun and just kind of learning what things do yeah that that's a great tip too to take away that i mean i just want to back up to what you said that when you were in all those sessions working with those world-class engineers you weren't just showing up to play guitar you were right. showing up for an education at the same time absolutely and and that's that is the mentality Never stop learning, never stop learning, never stop learning. And everyone that I've ever met that's successful in this business or in any business yeah. has that mentality. That's why you are where you are. It's crucial, man. Absolutely. I'm, all, I'm just constantly searching and 
trying to, you know, not only just in influences and kind of where I'm coming from, from a playing aspect, but also from engineering, you know, maybe there's a new sound that I can make a new effect or something that allows me to do that. I mean, this is, you know, just never ends. Sure. This is, this is more of a question that I'm just kind of interested personally to know, and that maybe some, some other people would too, but there's been a lot of shift in the past five years to, you know, in guitar land, people going, you know, in the box or DI or using Kempers or lines or whatever the thing is. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do any of that or are you still pretty like you got to have the amp, got to have the real thing? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I think there's a place for, for the in the box thing for sure. I love the way that guys like Shellback and that crew, how they use sort of DI guitars yeah. in their tracks. It's really fresh and cool. Um, but to me, they're kind of doing their own thing with it. Right. I think a lot of, Nashville is such a guitar town that mm. most of the time when you talk to somebody here about sort of virtual uh, virtual amps or DI stuff, they're trying to get it to sound exactly like their favorite tube amp. Yeah. You know, whereas yeah. I, I'm probably, if, if I had to head that direction, and I've done a little bit, I've done some tracks that way. Yeah. I mean, personally, I'm probably more interested in like maybe ma- not making it sound like a... <laughs> Right. Like, just do, you know, if you want it to sound like a real amp, just use an amp. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's my philosophy, at least. Sure. You know, but I, again, to bring it back to um, sort of what the guys are doing on the pop side, they're not sounding like real amps. They, they, yeah. There's, they, it becomes part of the, um, it almost sounds like it becomes part of the programming. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you, you could listen to the track five times, and on the fifth listen, you finally go, Oh, that's a guitar. I thought that was a right. <laughs> piano part the whole time. Oh yeah, now I hear it. Yeah. And um so I think that's really fresh and cool and it's outside the box or yeah. maybe it's in the box. I don't know. I'm, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean. So yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. I I'm really inspired by that kind of stuff. I I should probably dive further into that, honestly. Sure. So that's cool. You said you said Nashville is a guitar town. Yeah. Is absolutely. that, do you think more so? I mean, I don't know if you've done a lot of session work in LA or New York or wherever else you would, you know, consider a music yeah. hotspot. Do you feel like that's what, that's a thing that's just unique to Nashville? I think so. I think it's, it's definitely a guitar centric type of a town. It just goes back to the roots of, of what it was all built on here. Um, yeah. And that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's, there's a good tip. If you're a guitar player out there, and you want to get into <laughs> <laughs> yeah. music biz, Nashville's probably where you need to be. Yeah. I mean, the L.A. thing for sure, I think probably, you know, uh, to a lesser degree, especially these days. Yeah. Um, but but I haven't, you would, you know, somebody from that area would, would have a lot more insight sure. on on that uh, scene. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. So... What are some of the, I mean, do you listen to a lot of music to get inspiration? Are you kind of like, I, I, I feel after having a day of writing songs or being in the studio, some days like, man, I just, I don't want to listen to anything, you know? Do you kind of check out like that or do you find it's important to just keep listening to other stuff? No, I think we all need breaks for sure. Yeah. I definitely get tapped out as well and I have to listen to great podcasts like this one, right? yeah. But uh, just to kind of clean, clean the palate a little bit, and and um, 
I enjoy it. And now, man, golly, we have so many options for great listening material, whether it be uh, podcasts or you know, just a number of different things that we can use to you know, talk radio, whatever it is, to kind of get things fresh again. Yeah, yeah. That's but, yeah. awesome. And kind of kind of wrapping up a little bit, I, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about you know how do you how do you personally keep because you're you're married yeah how do you keep a you know a good balance of the the whole work life thing because a lot of the time producers are calling and they're like hey I, I got this demo I need it tomorrow or something which mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm apologizing on on air right now for being that guy <laughs> <laughs> it happens it happens man so how how do you I mean how do you juggle that I mean do you just kind of make just plow through it or what what's the what's the little magic that makes that thing work yeah well for starters like i have an incredible wife who's really like not just understanding but she really is like she's we're on the same team you know yeah like we really are after each other's best interest in life and and yeah and really believe in one another so um that's incredible and i don't know how i how i would do what I do without that. Sure. And that really, that kind of sets the stage. But as far as the detail work, I mean, I try to, right now, like I, I have a pretty great studio set up now where I can go in and I could go home after a couple sessions and have some dinner and then go back to the studio. Yeah. And work on a track. That's been really nice. Yeah. So just trying to do things that really work. Yeah for everybody's different you know like i tend to work really well when i have when i have a good plan yeah honestly yeah if i can make sure that i'm taking care of myself yeah you know getting good rest making sure i take out time to have nutritious meals yeah. <laughs> i know this stuff sounds stupid but no, a lot of times when you do what we do you know you forget to eat or you yeah. you're working you know, in the middle of the night and this kind of thing. And I think it's important to take your work really seriously. Yeah. But also make sure that you're, it's not controlling every part of your life. Sure. Cause it can, it can being self-employed and that whole thing. It's like, there's a kind of a pressure thing. Yeah. Maybe that accompanies that, that you have to get a hold of. Believe me, I, there were plenty of times in my life that I did not, I was way out of control with that stuff. Sure. And um, so I'm talking from, this is from a guy that's kind of had to learn that lesson, maybe the, the hard way or whatever. Sure. Because um, I love, we love what we do. Right. And so, um, but yeah, just taking good self-care along the way, I think is yeah, is a good thing. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. This has been awesome. I've learned a ton. Uh, guitar players, I hope you were taking notes out there. If not, go listen to this thing again. There was <laughs> tons of gold nuggets in there. Yeah. I'm just going to change your name to the Nugget Bomber. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's been awesome. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Thanks, Seth. It was great being here, man. You've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. If you haven't already done so, go over to iTunes, leave us a good rating and a good review. Go to experienceimmerse.com. Check that out June 13th through 15th. Be there. We're going to be there. We'd love to meet you, and you're going to learn a ton. This show is produced by the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jericho Scroggins. 
If you don't already do so, follow us on Snapchat. Our Snapchat handle is Full Circle M. Follow us on Instagram. We are Full Circle Music Co. That's C O, Full Circle Music Co. And lastly, just wanted to make you aware that we had a free guide for you to learn how to set up your home studio. It's at fullcirclemusic.org slash studio setup. Fullcirclemusic.org slash studio setup. Check it out and we will see you next week.